Welcome to The Big Idea. I'm Douglas Kerr, and this week we're talking about chamber music. Chamber music occupies a place between symphonic and solo music. Originally, music written to be performed in a room, in someone's home, hence the name. Chamber music has been likened to conversation, in which the different instruments respond to each other. And the pleasure and challenge of the chamber musician lies in participating in an ensemble, a small team creating a single musical experience. Emerging from the Baroque, chamber music seems to have come into its own in the 18th century in the classical age of Haydn and Mozart. And with the development of new instruments and a change in the economics of music in Europe, it became in turn a great vehicle for romantic music at the hands of Beethoven, Schubert and Brahms, then adapted happily to modern musical tastes and the public concert hall. At the same time sociable and intimate, chamber music remains one of the favourite ways of enjoying music for amateur and professional performer and audience. Today we want to explore how the potentialities of chamber music have developed over the centuries and what state it's in today. What does it take to be a chamber musician? What does it have to offer the listener? How can we best enjoy chamber music? So I have two guests in the studio uh, today, Jacqueline Leung, who is a prominent Hong Kong musician, a prize-winning pianist, a soloist, and a chamber musician, and a teacher of music. And Colin Tutchen, a conductor and composer, who was for many years director of music at the University of Warwick, and has taught clarinet, recorder, composition, conducting, chamber music, electronic music, and jazz. So thank you both for coming. Um, Colin Tutchen, I want to start with you with a definition question so in I, I just described chamber music as coming of halfway between symphonic music and solo music um, can you give us a more uh, educated distinction than that I suppose if we limit the number of musicians between two and ten and say that they have to be playing individual parts uh, without a conductor that so, would be by and large the way that we would interpret the term chamber music today so Two, two people could be a chamber Absolutely. Group. You could have a violin sonata, say Beethoven, violin and piano, um, or flute sonata, flute and piano, and so on. Or even uh, a flute and cello would be chamber music. Or it could be voices. You could have a soprano and keyboard. You could have three singers or a quartet doing madrigals. Uh, the most common thing, uh, form we have, of course, is the string quartet. And most music was written for that. And for many people, chamber music and string quartet are almost synonymous. But there's a much wider range of music available where you don't use the standard formations. But the one musician that you can't have in chamber music is a conductor. That's right. So who conducts? The musicians make decisions themselves, sometimes on the spur of the moment. Uh, of course, in rehearsal, they learn how each other moves and uh, makes the sounds, and they can come to an agreement about interpretation. But there's a sense of constant, spontaneous combustion of the way the music is made between the musicians. But there must be someone who's, for example, starting... Who, who Very often that? the person on the highest line, so it would be the violin one in a string quartet, uh -huh. or the, if there's a solo player with a piano, then it tends to be that the guidance often comes, if they are to start together, will come from the, the, the high sound, the solo sound. Um, but it's 
just about tradition, which is the most easy way for the lead to be given. If you're a string player, using your bow. If you're a wind player, you lift your arms as you breathe. But if it's the piano starting on her own, then she might, for example, just start at a tempo that's agreed by the others, and they will come in automatically. So in the absence of a, of a conductor, there's quite a lot of, I'm sensing quite a lot of body language is, is involved in communicating amongst the, the people. That's right, in, yes. In and in fact, it's impossible, <coughs> I think, to make good chamber music if you're not responding to each other from every possible angle. Uh, of course, people with different abilities and different sighted and, and listening abilities also do make chamber music. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not limited to people who happen to be able to see and listen very well. But the response has to be between the human beings making their musical achievements fit together. And we'll be saying a lot more about this later, but briefly though at the top, in a chamber ensemble, you wouldn't have one instrument that is a star. Probably not, no. I mean, there may be one instrument that has more notes to play, and very often that might be the pianist, yeah. who may therefore think that there's uh, a need to make sure that the tempo is deferred to the most difficult passage of the music. Uh, but those decisions are made really in the course of the music together rather than just by dictatorship. Jacqueline, mm -hmm. okay, tell us what qualities make for a good chamber musician. I'm guessing that a good, a good musician is not necessarily the same thing as a good chamber musician, that it's a special Yeah, skill. it's different. Um, I think humility is very important, and you need to be diplomatic. Yeah. You might have a very strong idea about a passage of music, the tempo or the way you want to play it, but you always need to discuss it in an you know, amicable way and... Um, and then you discuss, you know, whether you want to carry forward with that idea as a group and you have to be open to other opinions. You might just have to go along with whatever other decisions someone has made just because it might fit that instrument better or it might fit the ensemble better as a whole. The special skills that you're describing are yeah. not necessarily musical skills. No, kind personal, of interpersonal, interpersonal skill. skills. Interpersonal yeah. skills, yeah. yeah. So you're a teacher of chamber mm -hmm. music among yeah. other things is is this the main thing that you need to get across when you're teaching students how to play in a chamber ensemble um well before that there are even you know little steps that you need to build up um students to be able to play chamber music um even before the piece starts you need to tell them you know how you need to look at each other how to position themselves so that they can have eye contact what kind of gestures to look out for this to is make what sure Conan was talking yeah. about before. so they need to be able to communicate yeah. silently yeah through through what through facial expression facial expressions or eye contact uh -huh. or um just you know body gestures mm. you know by someone lifting the head or living lifting up their instruments and things like that so as you're playing your line, you need to keep an ear open um, f to what the others are playing so you can make sure that you're playing, you know, at the same spot. So you're yes. not rushing ahead by yourself. But you would, wouldn't you need those skills if you're playing in a big symphony orchestra as well? Um, but you have a conductor there, ah, so okay. and there are more people playing your parts usually. Like if you're a violinist in an orchestra, um, you can listen to what's happening next to you and behind you and in front of you so you won't go off that far off the tangents but for chamber music as Colin um, explained it's just one part per person so you really need to know your part well but you need to be flexible so that you can blend in in case someone does you know go a bit faster or wants to you know give the music more flow you need to be able to follow along 
You can't just, you know, stick to a metronome speed all the way through. Why don't you have a conductor? Wouldn't it be easy? <laughs> well, I think conductors can get in the way. Um, <laughs> but the conductor also, in a sense, uh, I would like to suggest, is also one of the chamber musicians in a large group, that the conductor mm. is responding to the messages from the orchestral players. So if, for example, a player hangs on to a certain note in a solo, the conductor should wait for it, just like accompanying a soloist in a concerto. So, in fact, conductors are part of this process of re- given response. And I think the give and take process in when, ma- when we're making music is vital to make it sound individual special. As Jacqueline says, it's not about sticking to a metronome speed. A metronome mark is one of the many indications on the notation from the composer that will give us guidance as to what might work. And I think we should always try playing the piece at the given metronome speed at the beginning. But then, for many reasons, it may not work in terms of the sonority or the acoustic we're playing in. A big church, sometimes music has to be slower. Um, Or a very dry space, you can't play as slowly because it's really difficult to sustain your breathing as a singer or wind player in such places. So we do make changes. um, And and a piece that's at one tempo in one venue might have to go to a different tempo in another venue. Mm. And then all the other decisions about how you speed up and when you speed up, whether you wait on a note, whether you play loudly or softly on certain phrases, all those decisions change because of the initial tempo decision that itself has changed because of the venue. So presumably it, it's a lot easier to play chamber music with people that you know. Um, not necessarily, <laughs> but you need to be able to communicate with them. People that you like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a bit of history, if, yeah. if we can, and, uh, and ask, when, when do people first start talking about chamber music? Well, the first use of the difference, if you like, between chamber music and others was the sonata da camera and sonata da chiesa. In other words, the sonata for the chamber and the sonata for the church. Mm-hmm. Then at the early Baroque period, the sort of early 1600s, the music was very similar. Um, that is, it was lots of dances, lots of quick or slow movements. But the church didn't allow the dances, so that meant that your variety of movements was limited in the church sonata. From a sonata which might be for a solo violin with the harpsichord or organ and the bass uh, bass line, the basso continuo as we call it, um, that would develop into the trio sonata of the Baroque period and that in turn developed into the early string quartets. The early string quartets in fact might have had four instruments that we know, the two violins, viola and cello, but the viola part was very limited, often was only an octave above the cello. We're in the 17th century. Well, early, uh, late 17th century, yes. The the string quartet, we have got the forerunner of what Haydn did in the 18th century, we have that got appearing at the end of the 17th century as the instruments, the string instruments sort of increased as a family from the old viol family into the violin family. So it has to do with the development of secular music. I think so, yeah. Away from the church. Into people's homes, presumably not your home and my home, but the home of the Grand Duke of... Well, that's it, yes. The aristocracy have a lot to answer for. (laughs) Um, Because they were able to employ composers and musicians, and they would say, I would like another quartet next week, or I'd like a quintet, or I'd like a piece where I can play my baritone, which was an old string instrument that the the prince uh, that Haydn worked for Mm -hmm. used to play. So um, they were able to sponsor particular types of music and the frequency of the music was to, just to keep them happy in the sort of country estates or wherever they were residing at that time. So um, Haydn's patron, for example, would have maintained a chamber 
a chamber group? He would have maintained a bigger orchestra. We, he maintained the orchestra, but as a result of the, having all those musicians available, mm -hmm. there was the option of creating groups within the small chamber groups. Right. And um, that's possibly why Haydn was able to create a lot of quartets. Um, and he's credited as being and nicknamed as the father or the uncle of the string quartet. Um, and it's very much a part of the history that what he did was to enable the four instruments to have an individual voice. In literature, there are certain kinds of literature that had a higher status than others. Epic was considered to be the top kind of um, literary production, um, <clears throat> other forms of literature being more lowly. Is that the case of the chamber music, that it's not quite as high prestige as a, as a big fat symphony or a... Or a a mass or something? I think public perception is different from the artistic input. Um, I think the sure, public... Sure, but, but I'm, I'm asking about the... What a composer... If a composer was composing a piece of chamber music, was he thinking that he was doing something a bit less important than, for example, writing for a full orchestra and choir? And it may works? be that by the end of Beethoven's life, mm -hmm. the composer's who were writing chamber music were aware of the significance and the, in, if you like, the philosophical possibilities of that art form, the intimacy of chamber music, which goes beyond what you might do on a public scale. Uh, whereas in Haydn's day, maybe he regarded writing the writing masses and symphonies more highly than writing the string quartets. Right. So it did change over time, and that's also to do with what happened in the social changes in the 19th century. There's a period, I think it's about 1850s, where there's hardly any great chamber music being written. And that, I think, was because the piano was taking off, and you've got Chopin and Liszt doing their tours, you've got the violin going off around with Paganini. The public loved their great soloists and their concertos, and Berlioz, of course, was doing the huge orchestral stuff. And the small chamber music didn't really have a chance to get in there until the end, well, halfway through the 19th century and back into the 20th century again. And then it comes back. Yeah. So this is the high romanticism. Yeah. The very show-off kind of music. So it's not a very... A professional critical term, but <laughs> but no, I think the the, 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 the virtuoso performer. That's right, the virtuoso composer, famous yeah. celebrity soloists, and and the rest. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, they want to sell tickets. <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, which instruments go into a chamber or could go into a chamber ensemble? Well, um, traditionally, it was more limited, I guess, like you know the perception of the string quartet. But increasingly, it has been a mix of instruments. Um, it can be like, you know, the standard piano trio, violin, cello, piano, or it could be a piano quartet, piano quintet. It could be a horn trio, which Brahms wrote. Piano quintet, that yes. would be what? Who, who's on That would be a string quartet and a piano. So this is two violins? Yes, one, one viola, viola, one cello. And a cello, yeah. and a piano. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Though there are cases, for example, the Schubert string quintet, yeah. uh, sorry, the piano quintet of the Trout, of yeah. course, does have um, violin, the viola, cello, bass, bass yeah. and piano. But it's still called a piano quintet. Um, so yeah. this is confusing to anybody yeah. that we use the same word for two slightly different groups. Yeah. But that, something like that, uh, <laughs> you've got a star instrument, haven't you, in something like the Trout? I think there's quite a lot of work done by the pianist, yeah. but equally all the string parts do take their own lines. And okay. the, the predominant first violin part, the violin part, is, is taken um, to quite a height and to quite a speed in some okay. places. But the double bass and the cello also have their glorious moments, and you can never, never ignore the viola player. 
<laughs> Noted. But are, are there some instruments, drums, for example? You wouldn't have a drum, would you? It's very unusual, but there are some small pieces where mm. there will be percussion as one of three or four solo players playing mm -hmm. into a chamber group, mm. but it's not, not a conventional mm -hmm. grouping at all. I'm wondering then, having so we've identified the, the instruments that yeah. might be involved, are there certain... Is chamber music particularly good at doing certain I don't know how to put this doing certain moods, certain themes I imagine for example chamber music wouldn't be all that good at military themes sort of big bouncing well there is the Hummel stuff. military septet oh, which uses a trumpet <laughs> along with a couple of wind a couple of strings of piano so actually yes I think the rhythms of military music fit very well in the classical period and the late classical but it's more I, I guess what I'm getting at it's a it's a less public, a less yes. sort of open air yeah. kind of. Yeah, I think music, it's meant to be it? for fun and sociable, you know, enjoyment for people. In, especially in the old days, there were round wooden tables made with four stands, um, so people could just sit around it. It's, it's like playing cards. Yeah. So th this would, we would be talking about people, really families. Yes. Families and friends. Yeah. Sitting yeah. around. Making yeah, with the, the rise of the middle class, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people had a piano or, you know, one of those little square pianos at home. And um, without, you know, television or radio or, you know, that many places to go to at night, you know, that was, you know, a form of domestic entertainment. Mm. And um, girls of that, at, you know, of that time, though, you know, a, not a lot of them worked. So they were advised to stay at home and they were trained, you know, on the piano. It would be yeah. part of a middle-class yeah. child's yeah. accomplishments. Yeah, especially for girls. To, um, have, to have an instrument, be able to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, you know, a pastime. And there are lots yeah. of paintings depicting that. Well, actually, the smallest chamber music piece would be a, would be a, a duo. That's yes. right. And you yeah. and it can go up to, up to a no net. Well, it, there are pieces <laughs> that we know, for example, there's a piece by Mozart, the Grand Partita, which has got uh, 13 parts, 12 wind instruments and a double bass, um, sometimes mistakenly known as the music for 13 winds. Um, but that's a, a long piece. It's about an hour of music of seven movements, famously brought to life in the film Amadeus, mm -hmm. which is one of the most glorious pieces of wind chamber music. Right. And that came about from the divertimenti and the cassations. The word cassation is a, just a, a group of pieces, like a serenade, an evening piece. And cassation came from the word gasser, the German word for street. And it was street music. And these were street musicians okay. who'd play under the window of a loved one to serenade them or something <laughs> like that. The serenade would also be a chamber, Absolutely, chamber yes. music yeah. um, genre. Is there a difference that... Many of my questions are very ignorant. But this is not a feigned ignorance; it's a real one. Um, say between a, a trio and a yes. octet. Again, octet mm. has more instruments. Yeah. But is there an intrinsic difference between the kind of thing you would get in a with a small ensemble and and with a larger one? I think it depends on the instrumentation and how the composer writes the score. Um, I think that would be my okay, answer, is, yeah. I think there's uh, possibilities in any combination of instruments for composers to reach to quite metaphysical heights if their language of music mm -hmm. will take it that way. You don't need a full orchestra mm -hmm. to create this wonderful display of colour. Uh, colour itself isn't the only thing, of course. There's also the range of melody, the changes of rhythms, and particularly the key structure and the transformations of, th of themes and harmonies. And some composers' alone language lends itself better to having a certain number of players do 
the job. So a trio, as I say, is enough for Ravel, um, but some other composer might need the octet. You've got the very famous Schubert octet and the Beethoven septet for some wind and some strings, and these are absolutely superb pieces of several moves, a bit like a, a large serenade, um, but within that, the slow music in particular is deeply moving, just like any of the wonderful late quartets of Beethoven. Other composers who are best known and loved as chamber composers? I think Brahms is one, and then Beethoven as an innovator. Mm -hmm. And um, the Schumann Quintet is very well known, and Messian for his quartet for the end of time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there are certain pieces, the Messiaen is particularly mm. one, which stands out from all his great works as being something very special, and there is no other work like it. Mm. But, of course, it was written in circumstances which, in a way, are unrepeatable, we hope, yeah. uh, in a prisoner of war camp with yeah. instruments that couldn't work fully. And yet still there is this absolutely superb, deeply thought, deeply religious piece of music, which is not only a personal expression of the composer's thoughts and feelings, but has become a universal piece. All over the world people are happy to hear this, piece or movements from this piece and be led into those thoughts and that spirit. It's quite a remarkable creation. You said, mm -hmm. Jacqueline, yes. Beethoven for his innovation. Yeah. I, I want to ask you both now to say yeah. something about originality. Mm. Um, so to ask you first, mm -hmm. what was innovative about Beethoven as a chamber musician? And then I'm going to ask you, Colin, the same question about Messian. I think he asked more of the players because, as I mentioned, you know, um, chamber music was a form of, you know, entertainment and people could, you know, sight read it at home and things. But I think Beethoven wrote more difficult scores. So um, it put more demands on the player. So he kind of moved up to a professional level in a way. Yeah. So he's... It's more serious. Yeah, he made it more complex, more, more technically, yeah. you know, demanding. Yeah, and right. textually and things like that. Mm. So this, this, is, this is romanticism, isn't it? To a degree, but I think it's also the nature of musical history that each generation of composers pushes the performers yeah. slightly further uh, in what they can get out of the instruments or the instruments develop so that the composers mm. can get more out of them. Yeah. Uh, it's I'll a sort of cycle. That as well, but yeah. First of all, Messiaen. Well, Messiaen was a composer who drew for his influences on many uh, areas. Uh, there's obviously um, the Middle Eastern uh, just, literature. Sorry, can I just tell us who he is? A uh, fr French composer of the 20th century. Um, for, for about 70 years, his music was some of the most... Uh, influential in terms of coloristic sounds from a full symphony orchestra, the great Tarangalila Symphony, which is based on Sanskrit words and Sanskrit uh, the theology and so on. But also he took the sounds of birdsong and he transcribed exotic birdsong from all over the world, uh, sometimes making trips to different countries to make sure he could literally hear the sound and write it down for himself rather than take recordings for granted. And then he would incorporate those rhythms and words. Uh, for example, there's a wonderful chamber piece, the Le Mer Noir, the blackbird, for flute and piano. And a lot of it doesn't have bar lines because the rhythms are so strange and yet it's a wonderful piece that hangs together and holds together not just from the magic of his creation but of course what the performers can do because they realise they have to make it sound like Blackbird Song and so they do and so you, you're listening to human instruments making natural sounds and the 
only about quartet for the end of time. This was this for, one written in yeah, camp. clarinet, violin, cello, and piano. Yeah. Um, each of the instruments has a solo passage. Uh, the clarinet's totally on its own, um, the third movement. Then the violin plays with piano, the cello plays with piano, and they're very slow movements. And then they also play together, so there's a total of seven movements. The combined pieces are often quite fast, with quite complex rhythms, quite a lot of unison writing, or writing where the players are doing the same thing but at different octaves. So, again, it's just the combination of sounds that makes colour. And so you're listening to the exploration of the rhythms and the melodies themselves. The composer's style is making us listen to the language of the music. And by doing that, we're drawn into the reason for that language and what that language is saying. They will be playing on different instruments, and it's getting um, a different approach from a wind instrument, tongued and blown, a string instrument, which is bowed and scraped, and the piano, which is touched in a certain way to create tone. Um, this approach to making sound is something where, in a even trio like the Brahms clarinet piano cello trio you've got three different approaches to sound and we have to combine our skills and the way the instruments work to make the same sort of sound that is unified and that's a great challenge okay let's talk a little bit about chamber groups there are certain very well-known and popular yes. chamber ensemble would you call them chamber orchestras chamber groups anyway mm -hmm. um who worked together for for many years yeah. presumably they develop a particular sound of their own yes um so would you for example i put this question to both of you would if you heard on the radio yes. you switch on in the middle if you heard a, a, a good chamber group playing a piece would you know who it was mm, maybe i think <laughs> it it's probably difficult maybe it's more is easier with orchestras, I feel. Well, certainly some orchestras yeah. are identifiable yeah. and so yeah. also certain conductors. But no, I think if you were a string player and you knew the repertoire mm -hmm. and you knew of different recordings, mm -hmm. you might well recognise specific string quartets, for example, a sound. And yes, if they've played together for 20 or 30 years, they will be producing a unique sound that nobody else can quite match. I, th I think there are certain groups that like to do for example, every five years, a Beethoven cycle to do all the Beethoven quartets. Mm. Eh? It's very demanding mentally as much as physically. But I've got some recordings at home by a Hollywood group that uh, specialised in recording all the string quartets by people you never heard of. <laughs> and it's fascinating because there are some wonderful pieces in there. Yeah. Sometimes, though, you get one movement out of three that's really brilliant and the other's not quite so good, which is perhaps why it's an unknown string quartet. But nevertheless, they've gone to the trouble of exploring the repertoire of music that doesn't otherwise come forward uh, so often to the public. Is there a lot of chamber music being produced? Is it different from 50 years ago? In some ways, I think there's possibly more written as a percentage of all music that's being created, partly because you have many more people with access to computer-generating programs right. um, that allow them to sit at home and create music. And most composers want to have their music played. And it's more likely you'll get three or four people together to play it than a whole orchestra. Again, there are many more thousands of musicians around now in every country, and they're all needing repertoire to play. They can't all play in orchestras, so playing in chamber music is actually a really good thing to do. Yeah. Um, also, you would get um, approaches, for example, Steve Reich wrote a piece called Different Trains, uh, which is a very meaningful and thought-provoking piece where there's a background tape drawn of words spoken and repeated on tape um, that is a, a parallel to the musical ideas. And the notes that the players play reflects the rhythms of the speech of the word. But it's a wonderful set of modern music. That's, that, that's fascinating. I, I don't want to f finish with that talking about enjoyment yes so this is my last question really yeah. to, to both of you yeah. um what's most enjoyable about 
listening to chamber music. It's just like talking, it's like conversation, but mm -hmm. done with musical instruments and musical phrases and notes. For me, it's like I like to listen to how the players interact. You can look at their, you know, how their eye contact and how they're connecting with each other, how mm -hmm. one is leading. And I like. So you're listening to the teamwork as, yes, as well. Yes, definitely. As and so, like, oh, are yeah. they together? Yeah. And, you know, uh -huh. do. And I learn a lot from watching as well. I think we hear things in performance that can be very precise details. Uh, we can notice if two people don't play exactly together, and it might bother us. Uh, it would certainly bother us if a full orchestra couldn't play very well together. But when it's a small chamber group, and they're quite close together most of the time, the slight moments that are not together don't matter hugely. Um, it's such a challenge for human beings to do things precisely together in the, exactly the same way. So when you do, do hear the great string quartets playing with apparently effortless ease through the bowings up and down and with the complicated patterns they make and with the detail of expression, and you, not only are they doing all that together but also exploring something that takes your mind out of yourself almost, that can be really more than enjoyment, it's elation. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much, Jack and Dan, Colin Touchin. Thanks a lot, and thank you for listening.